Hey everyone, just wanted to thank you for listening to Definitely Doomed, the episode by episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Also wanted to remind you that each episode of the podcast is a breakdown of each episode of the show, and therefore we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. I tell you I have this theory. It goes where you're the one who's not my sister. Because mom adopted you from a shoebox full of baby howler monkeys and never told you because it could hurt your delicate baby feelings. That's your theory? Explains your fashion sense. And smell. I'm sorry, okay? Broken record much? You can't even take an apology. You always do that, ever since... I just had a bad day. I'll join the club. Can I be president? I'm president. You could be the janitor. Okay. Buffy? Yeah? What's wrong with Mom? another episode of definitely doomed the episode by episode breakdown podcast of buffy the vampire slayer that in all likelihood would take you longer to listen to than it would just to watch the show joining me reuben in that time wasting quest is your friend and mine we call him basil yeah we do after 80 some odd episodes i feel like i finally got the intro down just nice. a little over halfway through the show. Yep. <laughs> now you can just uh, say it the exact same inflection every time. I can just record this. myself saying it yeah. and just tag on the recording each time. Although it would be better if you did it Tignataro style where you were able to mimic the exact same inflection <laughs> every single time. It would be better if I did everything like Tignataro. It's true. She's pretty amazing. <laughs> Freak out at, um, what's his name? Taylor Dane? Is that it? <laughs> Her name, but yeah. Yeah. I just said freak out at Taylor Dane. Oh, yeah, sorry. What's, yeah, you're right. Um, anyways, how's it going? Good. I got a bug bite that's real itchy, but other than that, pretty solid. Yeah, having to bike everywhere has really increased my skin's minor irritations <laughs> including bug bites and rashes and sunburns and everything you get from going outside as opposed to spending all of your time indoors staring at a screen yep. good news That's is sad. sorry 
Oh, no. Good news is, listeners, often when I go outside, I still stare at a screen, so don't worry about that. (laughs) Got a a special screen-holding device (laughs) just for your bike so you can stare more. Um, Speaking of staring more, today we're going to be discussing an episode called No Place Like Home, fifth episode in season five. And it is your turn to give us the plot description, Basil. All right. So the episode opens with some uh, chanting monks in a faraway time. (laughs) Two months uh, ago. (laughs) 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 But, uh... (laughs) And then it cuts to the present. And Buffy's beating up a really big vampire. Um, and then she finds, like, a magic ball, isn't sure what it is, um, continues the storyline of, uh, Joyce not feeling well, headaches getting worse, doctors don't know what's wrong, and then, um, also, Giles is finally debuting his ownership of the magic shop, opening it up, and at first he thinks he's made a horrible business decision, because no one shows up. And then everyone shows up and he wants them to go away. (laughs) The two sides of every working person. Yep. (laughs) Man, it's so slow. This is boring. I wish I was doing something else with my time and life. Oh, God, there's too many people. Get out of here. (laughs) This is the worst. (laughs) And then... uh, Buffy at the, goes to the hospital, and uh, the security guard, where she found the glow, uh, glowing ball thing, uh, is now one of the sort of raving um, people like we encountered in episode two, and so she realizes something weird is going on because he was super normal just the night before, and... Uh, so then, um, and he says something about coming for her family, so then she sort of, uh, freaks out and thinks, decides to tie Joyce's illness in with, um, you know, her job. It's easier for her to explain away that way. Uh, and so she tries to cast a spell, a trance, to see all other spells, and... It turns out no spell on Joyce, but the there is a spell on everything else in the house. <laughs> and, uh, discovers that Dawn isn't really real, and at first thinks obviously that uh, she's the the infiltrator, the evil thing that that guy's been talking about, but it isn't true. She goes back to where she found the ball, which is called the Dagon Sphere. Um, appearance of glory. They fight. She uh, gets away just barely and discovers that Dawn isn't evil. She's the key to keep all evil away, so she has to protect her. What do you think of this episode, Ruben? It's great. <laughs> I give it an A minus. Um, 
when it's not being really funny, it's really awesome. There's a bunch of flying deliveries that we'll talk about as we get through it that I think are super great. Um, and there's even like little storylines that they manage to sort of weave in in a way that never really feels like shoehorned in, like continuing what happened with Riley and like his line when he says, um, maybe we should take care of each other. Um, we'll talk, we can talk about that scene a little bit more later and like how nice it is and how that reminds me of sort of like, you know, one of those moments when Riley is right. I know that he doesn't get them that often, but he's, you know, he seems to have come out of his insanity of last week, like better for it and Mm -hmm. recognizing, um, some of their issues more clearly and like you know, one of the reasons why he wanted to, you know, keep his strength or whatever and was freaking out about it is because Buffy tends to, like, treat people like they can't take care of themselves. Right. Um, and, of course, the Dawn storyline is good. And even the special effects, which I was surprised, I feel like shouldn't work for me, kind of do. The trance special effects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. So, overall, very good episode. And everyone likes Glory, right? Who doesn't like Glory? I do. <laughs> I like Glory a lot. <laughs> and you? Uh, yeah, I love this episode. This is probably one of my favorite episodes of the show so far. Um, I have a few small quibbles, but other than that, I agree. Super, super funny lines. Uh, does a good job of weaving in all the storylines, even stuff like, yeah, um, this, um, hinted at romance with Ben, there's, she runs into him at the hospital and there's like a moment of a little bit of flirting and it doesn't feel like they just shoehorned it in because like that scene accomplishes a whole lot of different story things and I feel like they do that, uh, super well and then the only time that I think it does feel shoehorned in is the spike thing, which I think is also sort of intentional because he really doesn't have any place there. He's just <laughs> lurking around. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny, and James Marsters is so good in that scene that it ends up sort of like, co- you know, covering over the fact that she's like, I'm going to walk to a place. Oh, I ran into Spike. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's true. And then uh, the whole end of the episode last like five minutes just i don't know it's really intense emotionally for me to watch so really good ending yeah i feel like it's perfect sort of as the joyce storyline is and how glad i am how they did it and what they did with it that seeing the scenes in this episode with Michelle Trachtenberg, Christine Sutherland, and Sarah Michelle Geller made me feel kind of bad or long for the idea of like just seeing more scenes of them together or even like scenes of them being normal because they might be the three best actors on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all really good together. And they don't really look alike and yet I find them really believable as a family. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Let's get into it. I wrote improvement over the last monk's bit, which uh, (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but there's another episode that begins almost the exact same way, although 
it begins how you jokingly hinted at where it's like takes place hundreds of years ago where these monks are doing something and then it's that demon who gets trapped in the computer oh yeah <laughs> and I was like, Girl season one yeah that's like this set is really cool and they got this cool long shots you know like a horror movie going through all the hallways very John Carpenter style and maybe even like a little bit of vignetting around the edges that looks kind of cool I like it yeah good looking scenes it's true I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this episode because the next scene has one of my quibbles, which is that the audio mix is super weird so that like you can't hear what Buffy's quipping about while she's punching him. I was like, I can't understand what these jokes are because the yeah. punch sound effects are drowning them out. I think maybe they realized they weren't like top of the line jokes and they were just like <laughs> <laughs> trying to cover it up. Yeah, it's like, let's make the fighting more important. Cause she's like talking about therapy and how she wanted to do piano lessons. Is yeah. that great? That's true. It is I, like, I like a shirt that says Russian roulette and she's wearing a fur jacket. It's a very strong contrast in costuming. Nice. I realized I didn't something. Even notice the shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. I realized something when I was watching this scene though, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the show. It's not like a complaint about the show, but that like when you have these tales with superhero women, you can have these scenes of them like fighting big men and having like big men punching small women like right in the face and like remove like the guilt and shame that would normally be associated with scenes of like kind of that level of explicit misogyny. Right. <laughs> and I was just thinking about like how uncomfortable that scene maybe should make me feel on a certain level and how this they've built a world in which and where I'm not supposed to feel uncomfortable watching it and right. that made me feel uncomfortable <laughs> that's fair it's really weird circular logic but yeah because <laughs> he's like three times as big as Sarah Michelle Gellar <laughs> for sure <laughs> like he looks like a football player that's true <laughs> and yeah she's not uh I mean I guess some of it's like obviously uh, a lot of it is rooted in the acting that she never seems even the least bit afraid or, you know, mm. uh, like he's a serious threat, as serious as he should be. Speaking of acting, I like the warehouse guard. In fact, there's a continuing tradition of this episode, even though accents are always like a little funny, pretty much mm -hmm. the acting all around I like in this episode, even the bit players. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say I really like the... Um, the sad monk when he gets his moment with Sir Michelle Geller, it like they're like, you know, on the same level. It doesn't feel like some guy who just got thrown into an episode and had to create a character and, you know, did an okay job, but I was like, Wow. I mean, maybe some of it's just casting. He has like really glassy eyes that make me feel really sad for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's got a, a wrinkly forehead, too, so you know he's been thinking really hard about stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, this warehouse guard hands Buffy the Dagon Sphere that he finds because he thinks it's um, some raver thing, because he thinks that right. she's a raver come to use the abandoned warehouse for her raves, mm -hmm. um, which is a 
little bit of an outdated joke, but Buffy kind of delivers the lines in still like a funny way. Yeah. Sounding like way too adult. I mean, she is 19. Right. It's okay to take <laughs> ecstasy and go dancing with your friends, at least in my opinion. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, and then we cut to the next morning where Buffy has prepared a big breakfast and like a nice setting for Joyce because she's still not feeling well from previous epi- episodes and uh, yells at Dawn not to touch anything who immediately breaks a face or something. It happens off yeah. screen. You can't really tell what happens. Yeah, I think she just spills it. Okay. But still, yeah. <laughs> water everywhere and uh joyce walks in and in very little sister fashion she goes wow you two did all this and don says buffy helped (laughs) (laughs) buffy's like i didn't help he's gonna say that she did everything and joyce is like no i'm sure you did help (laughs) (laughs) very frustrating (laughs) Um, anything to say about this scene? Um, no, I mean, I think... A little pumped and uh, belly. Yeah. <laughs> You're, um, pretty right on that. Uh, it's, like, an, it's a really cool dynamic that feels super lived in, despite only existing for five episodes so far. Yeah, like 4.05 episodes, because Dawn <laughs> appears in the very last scene of episode one. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then, oh, it's. I think that it's a good funny joke that originally she didn't want Don to come with her because, <laughs> the, like, Don's annoying. But then, she's worried that Don's just gonna annoy Joyce <laughs> and like <laughs> make her do a bunch of stuff for her while she's sick. So then, <laughs> ends up begrudgingly bringing her to the magic shop. Yeah. And uh, we get a continuation of the thing that we've seen a lot, which is that um, Buffy is, like, she's very good at taking charge, but she's not, like, the most empathetic person. So, like, her mom feels unwell, and so she's made her this breakfast and whatever, which is nice, but then she's like, when are we going to see the doctor? When's the doctor's appointment? We need to get a second opinion? And Chris is like, we need a first opinion first. (laughs) (laughs) Buffy's like, this is unacceptable. You know, and that's kind of how she is the whole episode until the end. It's kind of like she's on a beeline to, like, figure out this problem and, you know, slay it. <laughs> yep. A well-written yeah, character. I mean, it's true. And, like, a good, uh, like, well, um, what's the word? I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit before, but, like, really smart idea on the writer's part where they're like i'm sure had sat down and had like an a meeting and, and we're like okay what's buffy good at and what is she missing and how can we like craft a story in which like she has to develop like these skills that she doesn't already have and like i don't know i think that that's um pretty pretty awesome one of the reasons why this show's really good is it's not just like throwing dramatic scenarios at characters and like crafting dramatic stories but just like kind of like trying to make characters grow in interesting ways through but like over the course of time I think that this is like maybe in uh, the like getting away from like what I was complaining about a little bit in 
early seasons that it feels like the emotional developments are too rushed in this season. Maybe why it's one of my faves is that they really, really take their time. It's pretty cool. Um, there was a special feature somewhere where I heard or read or something where they were getting together for season five and they were like, okay, who is Buffy's boyfriend going to be in season five? And they settled on Dawn, which is like, <laughs> um, yeah, that like the what's the Dawn Buffy relationship has that same sort of emotional arc of like, you know, a lot of romantic comedies where it's like they don't like each other at first, but then they become really important to each other. And then like both of them sort of learn something about themselves that the other person can like really help them out with and like provide them with that they they didn't have before. And that's really cool. It <laughs> it's, is. It's like a much better version of Frozen, in my opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take that, Disney. <laughs> His movies I generally really like. <laughs> but not the Frozen. Queen of Katwe? <laughs> Probably. Probably not. <laughs> We're in there. Um, so then Dawn and Buffy go to the magic box and we get some more hilarious Giles costume <laughs> work. Yep. Um, and I think... The first joke is the funnier one when Buffy just stares at him until he takes off the <laughs> the like Mickey Mouse and Fantasia wizard <laughs> right. costume. But the second joke is still really funny when Willa comes in and she's like, "Where's your cape and hat?" <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Meaning that he was talking about it with her like on the phone or an email or something the day before. <laughs> it's true. And she was excited about it until yeah. Buffy. <laughs> Him. <laughs> I like how long that joke lasts too, because it like cuts between the two of them for a little while, and they're just looking silently until he takes it off. Mm-hmm. I also like how long Buffy is in the magic box before Dawn shows up, <laughs> out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, check out all the magic junk. <laughs> pretty impressive to have a store that has the thing that it sells yep. <laughs> um Buffy's hand over fist gesture is probably one of the funnier like weedonisms in the show in the sense that it's like one of those like I'm going to talk about a phrase that you know we've just accepted and most people don't think about anymore like where it comes from or why and the only reason why this one works is because Sarah Michelle Gellar staring at her hands as she tries to figure out what hand over fist means yep and then decides which I guess is a good thing <laughs> um Giles delivery of the line well it's so shiny really sells that joke <laughs> yeah how can you tell <laughs> Well, it's so shiny. <laughs> and of course, Buffy now regretting her decision to bring Dawn along when she spills the Riley beans. Riley yeah. and Willow show she up. She really goes for it. <laughs> say hello, and then she just like talks about all the terrible things that Buffy said about Riley behind his <laughs> back. <laughs> I mean, they're not really terrible, but just the emasculating things, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're hurtful. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she didn't say it in, in, in a nice way at all. <laughs> Um, 
but Willow is on Dawn's side, which is, uh, they have that, you know, whole I love school connection. Mm-hmm. Willow unfortunately uses the ableist term spaz, but I understand what she means. Yeah. She can't help but have empathy for her. I feel like by 14, though, you should should know, though, to not, like, repeat things that people obviously said behind someone's back for a reason. Right. And as someone who's generally an honest and, like, straightforward person, like, I still think that there's, like, a usefulness and a need to, like, sometimes, you know, like, if there's something that... There's no real reason to tell another person, but you still need to sort of get, like, the words and the emotion out there. Like, I think that that's a thing. Like, that's a role that, for instance, you know, priests have filled for, you know, thousands of years. Right. (laughs) I'm with you. I consider myself a pretty good communicator, and I think one of the reasons why I am is that I also talk to other people about things that are going on in my life and then you know through that dialogue I'm able to figure out the right words to say to the actual person that I need to talk to um and then I guess Buffy's next errand is to go to the hospital or is there a scene in between that that's what I got it's the next notice between her and Ben um Let's see. Yeah, yeah. That is right. She goes to the hospital to pick up the medicine for her mom. And, um, yeah, like you said, the warehouse guard is, uh, you know, kind of tied down and, like, freaking out. And uh, she sees Ben, who we met in an earlier episode. And uh, while he's trying to escape, Buffy just sort of, like, one-handedly pushes him back down to the bed. And Ben's like, not to be rampantly sexist in the worst place, but you've got some serious muscles for a girl. Yep. Buffy kind of... pronounces it muscles (laughs) to highlight his jokiness. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and Buffy sort of, like, stutters for a moment because she realized it's probably not the type of thing that she's supposed to be doing in, (laughs) in public. And he goes, radioactive spider bite? And she's like, yeah. It's like, I should have known. Which is pretty funny because it's very close to the truth. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Good way to lampshade your in real life stuff is to tell almost the real story. <laughs> um, that sounds real implausible. Yeah, and so we got, um, I mean, you mentioned it again in the plot description, but there's no reason to think that, like, the people acting kind of in a TV slash film insane way was like going to be a running part of this season but now this is number two so starting to create a pattern here mm-hmm. and then we get glory <laughs> yeah we do smashes down a big old door it's true I thought for some reason the build-up to her was, like, longer, that they played up the thing that she's, like, an enormous monster for, like, more more than, like, 
the first act of one episode, but... Yep, it's just one joke, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty funny one still. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same joke twice, because the same thing happens at the beginning, when she's, like, smashing down the doors at the monastery. Sure. Uh-huh. And it does stick in at the warehouse. Yeah. And then, of course, the shop is open and actually has people buying things. Giles is really excited about it. Anya less so excited about her impending poverty. Yeah. She used to just steal or take things when she was a demon. And now she has no more money left. Yep. She says, I've never had to afford things before, (laughs) which is a funny... And it's making me bitter. The change is palpable. <laughs> Giles is so rude to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is helping him out a little bit if he was if he would pay attention because he you know he could still charge the same price that he is charging right now for it, and she could maybe get him a cheaper price by hooking him up with the troll that sheds it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Or he could even charge just slightly less, but still make way more profit if without having to go through a distributor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, therefore undercut other, you know, the Amazon equivalent of magic yep. <laughs> sales. Yeah, he's got to get ready. <laughs> Online marketing is going to be a big thing in a year or two. <laughs> better get on that. Um, that's all I have from this scene. Then I have more glory monk stuff. Oh, yeah, this is just the scene where uh, Buffy decides, like, that something is intentionally making her mom sick. Uh Yeah, she says that the Dagon Sphere, like, that he went crazy overnight, and everyone does that backup gesture (laughs) that they do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Glory equals good is my next note. Yep. Another person I'm the victim here. Yeah, who comes on the show and is immediately um, right into character. Like, no, no working up to it. She's just ready to go. I really love her delivery of the line. Newsflash hairdo. Not everything <laughs> is about you. <laughs> um, and then he says something in whatever language she's supposed to be speaking. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And she goes, we're in the new world now, speak American, which um, is a funny call forward or call back because in a later episode, uh, Buffy is going to describe her as kind of like Cordelia. And that is a a line that Cordelia says in season two to her um, foreign exchange student. Oh, that's right. She sure does. Yeah, she says he doesn't even speak American. Sven. Poor Sven. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually wrote down, uh, I've been reading some things recently, um, that I think are really insightful and useful and, uh, probably weren't as obvious at this time, but the writers just, you know, because they seem to be in tap with like humans and human emotions were able to get at the center of this without having it as explicitly named, but the way in which like an abusive person will center their own emotions. So like you say to an abusive person, what you did is abusive. 
And they say, wow, that really hurt my feelings when you called me abusive, as if those <laughs> yeah. are two equal offenses, when one uh-huh. actually isn't an offense at all. It's just a statement of fact of what they did. So that, <laughs> that is just 100% what Glory is doing in the scene. She's yeah. like, I'm really upset that you will just give me what I want. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's just really not fair to me. And he's, you know, he's not saying it, but he's like, if I give you what you want, you'll destroy all of the universes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but think about how that makes me feel. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome uh-huh. that they're able to, like, create that, you know, so easily. Yeah, it's true. A friend of mine has been dealing with that in her real life relationship. And I've been trying to help her work through that and uh, because yeah, whenever they fight, then the guy will be like, Oh, I'm the worst, like I get it if you hate me, like I'm so terrible, blah blah blah. And like that's not like a plan, that's just like a way to make her then stop being angry and have to comfort him and be like, No, I don't hate you But <laughs> it's just a way to turn the attention back on him and I'm like that's that's abusive. He doesn't care about fixing the problem. He just wants you to not be mad at him anymore. Yeah, and textbook narcissism, even though yeah. he's talking about how bad he is, it's all about refocusing all the attention on him because he yep. needs it. Um, I did write down, though, that coming to the place where the key is was maybe not the best plan. Like, telephones exist. Like, if you feel like you just want to let Buffy in, <laughs> what's right. going on? You know, give her a call and then head in the opposite direction. That's <laughs> true. Glory's probably not hip to like checking phone records. Yeah. But you could call from a payphone just to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm not like it works in the sense that like it's easy to get caught up in it, but I don't know how much I'm into like the whole like quick cutting like audio like she's first her audio sync up with her whips and then it's like over just like her face like freaking out like to show uh-huh. her like glory kind of losing it how do you feel about that moment yeah i mean um i guess i feel like indifferent to it it doesn't it, it wasn't super distracting like it feels like a sort of outdated technique but was like somewhat popular at the time so yeah i think understand like why they used it six feet under kind of pioneered it and i remember when i was watching that show that i was like whoa this is amazing but now i feel like it hasn't lasted age (laughs) yeah um because six feet under would always do this thing where um it wasn't the exact same scenario and in fact firefly the show that joss whedon would create next season at the same time that he's doing buffy season six and angel season two or angel season three um would does he do would do the exact same thing as six feet under where uh it would show something as if it was real and then it would cut back to like the beginning of that moment and you realize that's just what the other person was thinking or like what they wish they had done mm-hmm. and they did that all the time in six feet under no this was sort of similar to that yep i Alan did ball was hot shit yeah. this time um, I wrote down uh, that she does say sit down on their tuft which is another um, 
what's it that rhymed hurts in a way little miss muffet oh, yeah. reference it's <laughs> pretty cool i didn't even pick up on that i mean it's just mixed in with all our gibberish so sure sure yeah. it'd be hard to pull out if you weren't just like paying attention to it um and then while she's freaking out about that, <laughs> concurrently, Giles is freaking out about all of the customers yep. <laughs> in Magic's box. And uh, Xander His has frantic some eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make me laugh so hard. He's like, just like this slight like movement like, <laughs> constant. I'm just like, can't believe what he's seeing. Xander has some solid advice for him, which is to stay British. <laughs> yep. Thousand yard stare, hate to see it, especially in retail. More continued, of course, Xander and Anya. Greatness. Yep. Anya's helping out by working the register, and uh, after she takes the person's money, says, Please go. <laughs> <laughs> Which, fair enough. I have that feeling. Like, sometimes I work in a restaurant, and sometimes people come by. And they're wondering whether or not we have any food that you know people haven't picked up that they're gonna that we're gonna throw out, and um, like I don't have any problem with that. I like you know the owners don't encourage it, but I don't care. I, I want to give people food that's gonna be thrown out anyways because I don't sure. like to to waste it. But when they come in, like they often like give me these long stories and like build up, and I'm like I'm actually at my job. I have stuff to do. Like I really right. wish you would just come in and be like can I have some food? And I'll, I'll be like, here you go. Or I don't have any today. <laughs> and then I walk away and that's the end of the, in the interaction. So sure. I kind of feel in Anya's place. I want to be like, please go. <laughs> yeah. I always feel bad when, uh, people come up asking me for money and they have like sort of a long rehearsed story because they usually get into it so fast that I have no way to like, interrupt them but then i feel like i'm wasting their time by listening to this whole story and then i'm still not going to give them money but like i don't have a way like an entrance to where i can be like i'm sorry i don't have any money for you being on a bike most of story. the time is useful because sometimes people will be like hey man and i'll be like sorry i don't have any change <laughs> and i'm just you know a hundred yards away in like a second <laughs> sure <laughs> um long cultural tradition of raging insincerity. There's my girl. Yep. Most of the time we don't care whether they have a good day. <laughs> um, then she, uh, more Anya is a thousand years old jokes when she's talking about uh, this, I think it's a monk she's talking about or a priest or something, some religious person. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who would, um, go into a trance to reveal spells because uh, Buffy is doing research to try to find out what might be hurting her mom because that's her belief at this point and uh, Anya suggests that um, she do this trance thing and uh, <laughs> uh, someone says his name and she goes, so cute in his little knickers. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently Anya is just like ran with all the famous demons and you know priests mm -hmm. and whatnot back in her day. It's true. 
which is pretty cool, I bet. <laughs> Continuing canon lore, spells leave trace signatures. Yep. They sure do, I guess. Um, sort of continuing off of like that scene from I believe begins real me where Buffy is like balancing with like the crystals and whatnot. We're uh, talking about more internal meditation y stuff as part of her Slayer regimen. Right. As opposed to just punching and kicking. Yeah, she's training her mind, not mm. just her body. Um, so then Buffy goes home. Not exactly the best environment, as we'll learn soon, uh, <laughs> to do her trance. Um, and calls over Riley to help and Riley quickly figures out that he's just been asked to help because she wants to make up for the mean things that she said behind his back <laughs> right. and Riley's like hey I'm okay with it and uh, she's like I just don't want you to get hurt and, she's, and he says how about instead of you taking care of me we agree to take care of each other which is sort of a brief and dirty way to describe what a relationship is between two right. people. It's not about one person providing for another person. It's about two people finding something that they want from the other person and you know, providing it for each other together. For sure. And it's kind of a perfect moment for Riley and Buffy too because she's like, okay, I agree. And then they shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even notice that. <laughs> and it's like, is this something that couples would do or like business partners would do? <laughs> then they kiss afterwards because they realize it was weird, right? Yeah. He kisses her. He, they shake hands and then he kisses her on the forehead and he says, good luck. And she says, girl needs more luck than that. And he kisses her on the yeah. mouth. And then Dawn says a bunch of annoying things and Buffy kicks her out of the room and puts a towel under the door. True. Like kids who are smoking weed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like when she's like, what are you doing? My boyfriend, go away. <laughs> um, I can smell your stinky incense. You're doing magic stuff. <laughs> can I watch? <laughs> no! <laughs> um, Buffy goes into her trance, and we get some funny... Final Cut Pro After Effects C effects to show trance state, but it works for me just like um, what are, what do we always call it? Chino Cam in the OC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever Ryan goes back, Chino. Chino. It's cam. real grimy. And um, yeah. Mhm. Mm oh, uh, the room one is the one I like the best. Like the way it shifts from like just an empty storage type room to Don's like bedroom yeah it's sad cool. yeah especially like knowing what we know like that she's not like some villainous presence or something like that that For she's sure. just a person who's made up <laughs> <laughs> yep whose entire existence is fabricated um Buffy goes downstairs to find Joyce to see if she can see anything and uh, 
there's nothing around Joyce and they have like a little conversation because she obviously picks up on the fact that Buffy's kind of acting weird mm-hmm. and uh, Buffy says that she's fine and Joyce says you're so grown up and I wrote down that was my favorite line delivery of the whole episode and this is reading a lot into it knowing what we know is going to happen but that there's like this pride like at having raised a good kid and at the same time being like I don't know how much you need me anymore and like how sad that makes me seems very sad one more good reason for me to never have kids (laughs) I won't have to experience that sad emotion (laughs) but Christine Sutherland really layers the line in a way in which it like covers like Mm. so many different things that I think that a parent could be experiencing at that moment and then Buffy behind Joyce's face sees a picture of three of them in the family with Dawn just sort of fading in and out of the picture Mm -hmm. and goes around sees her fading out of more and more pictures goes to the room as you say where it's just cutting back and forth between Dawn's room and an empty storage room and Dawn just fading in and out of existence she says you're not my sister cut to commercial yeah scenes yeah this scenes uh, this scene after the commercial is very hard to watch yeah the second time <laughs> the first time it's like you know you're playing along with it or whatever but then after that so sad yeah it's re- she says some really cool stuff to her yeah <laughs> and uh, when they s- uh, stare at each other like the stare down it's like really intense between the two of them it's true <laughs> I also wrote down that like when she goes downstairs and they're having like this the conversation where obviously it makes sense once you find out what happened but it also makes sense in the context of like Dawn being some villainous presence like she's like mom's coming home she's like I'll be home before or whatever um I was like I wrote down funny how little sister stuff is evil villain stuff in a different context (laughs) and I was like it makes sense actually (laughs) it's true And of course we get the iconic moment that we were talking about earlier where Buffy sees a cigarette butt on the ground, pulls Spike out from behind a tree in front of her house, <laughs> and uh, she's like, Spike, what are you doing here? After she punches him in the face, and then he starts to talk, she goes, five words of West, and he goes, out for a walk, and then realizes he hasn't used a word, and goes, bitch. <laughs> 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 and my favorite delivery of a uh, gendered slur. Yep. True. I almost wrote it down as a potential title, but then I was like, nah, no, it only really works because of how he says it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like so gleeful when he realizes that he has another word to spare. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, she's like, um, by my house at night, and he's like, your house just happens to be between parts and other parts of this town. 
his comment about walking at night, you know, a lot more fair reasoning when he says that he's grown past his, sure. you know, bursting into flames, period. Which, honestly, considering how many times in season four he was running around with, like, <laughs> a jacket. <Blankets> <laughs> It uh, was a real face for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, after he leaves, Buffy notices that there's like 25 cigarette butts on the ground. You know that he's been standing yep. out there for hours. And I that guess. he smokes a lot. <laughs> it's true. And somehow I never it's like noticed... a whole before. pack of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Somehow I never noticed uh, about this before this scene, but like it's kind of a wide shot as Buffy walks away, and Dawn is upstairs in her room looking at Buffy as she walks away, kind of creepily. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Unsettling. And I never liked you anyway, and you have stupid hair. Yep. Shagging Captain Cardboard. Buffy <laughs> <laughs> um, goes back to the warehouse, she finds the warehouse guard, and... Um, or, not the warehouse guard, the monk, who's tied up. And she's explaining to him, you know, that she's the Slayer, she has powers, and she's not dumb. Grabs Glory's hand, so it looks like she's about to hit her. And then Glory just throws her carelessly into yep. the wall. I guess you sure about that last part? It's true. I like the throwing effects and everything. This whole fight is pretty cool. Yeah, Glory fights uh, our pretty intense <laughs> then we get cut back to the magic shop mm-hmm. everyone's exhausted from a day of retail yep. I like that retail is harder than construction <laughs> apparently <laughs> I mean I would probably agree <laughs> yeah have to deal with your customers less. That's true. Um, Anya won't stop working, and Giles finally says, Anya, would you like a job? And she delivers in, like, again, like the sweetest and softest way possible. Okay. <laughs> Reminded me um, of in season four when she's freaking out about her and Xander's relationship, and he says, uh, if I ever if we grow old together, remind me not to have the midlife crisis or something like that. And she goes, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah, I also like that. Then when he asks if we can talk shop later, she says, okay, again. Mm-hmm. And then she says, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that's going to create a funny relationship so I'm glad that the show went there like obviously explaining how these people have money seems like just sort of like a necessary foundation to create in a show even though like it doesn't always really make sense how Angel lives in an enormous hotel and stuff like that (laughs) with like a little detective business and then pays like four people (laughs) right um but uh, I like that they use it as a way to create a relationship here between Anya and Giles that's going to spawn a lot of 
pretty good moments. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, they're good at pairing Giles with unlikely people, just like season four. So much Spike and Giles <laughs> because Spike just lives at Giles's house for a little bit. Yeah, they liked um, Giles and Spike so much that when they were like, once Angel started to take off and was successful, there were other um, spinoffs pitched, including one for Faith and one for Giles called Ripper. And if mm -hmm. Ripper had been picked up, him and James Marsters were gonna have like a buddy cop type situation going on, <laughs> which probably wouldn't have been like that great from like a thematic like emotional arc standpoint, but from a just being funny standpoint, probably would have been excellent. <laughs> it's true. I would have been all about that show. <laughs> um, a sort of Whedon-y cut, not completely. Uh, Xander asks if Giles is worried about Buffy, and he says no. She should be fine. And then it cuts to her being beat up by Glory. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, I just noticed something. You have superpowers. That is so cool. Can you fly? <laughs> and then throws her. Yeah. Um, Buffy about to try to go back at it with Gloria when she's like, you know what? This is a terrible idea. Grabs the monk and jumps out of the window at the warehouse. Yep. I like the part when Buffy starts fighting back and Gloria gets really annoyed about it <laughs> and was like, think she's being really rude. <laughs> Asked her if she was born in a barn. <laughs> I love that phrase, born in a barn. Because, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> like, wasn't Jesus born in a barn? <laughs> yeah. Isn't he a manger? technically, the like, thing, the right? best human of all time, according to the same type of people who would use the phrase born in the barn? Yep. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I also really like how it turns on the um, the whole shouldn't wear heels thing because like we see so many times in like horror and action movies where a woman is wearing heels and is running away and her heel breaks and then she you know gets caught up with by like the villain or you know mm -hmm. gets murdered or something like this. But in this case, she is the villain and she's yep. prevented from you know catching someone else because her heel breaks. It's true. And then she gets really annoyed at herself and makes a building fall on her. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Um, another good Whedonism moment, in my opinion, is when they're outside and the monk is like, uh, I, he's like, I can't go any further. I think my journey is over now. And she goes, don't get all metaphory on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then he explains what Dawn is, how she came to be, and why. Mm -hmm. She's helpless. The key so is sad. energy. We molded it, made it human, and sent it to you. It's a really intense scene. She's not my sister. She doesn't know that. Moment of silence. Yep. 
It's this. hard to <laughs> it's hard to process even after the fact for me. It's it's a whole lot of just an emotion right in my face. And it really works for me. I don't know. It's like I said earlier, the the line deliveries feel really like they're playing off each other in strong ways and just builds up and then we get the scene. Buffy goes afterwards. home. Yeah. Sees Joyce and uh, Don cuddled up under some blankets on the couch, maybe watching TV or something. And uh, Dawn obviously storms off when she sees Buffy upstairs. And uh, Joyce says, what's that all about? And she goes, sister stuff. And Buffy goes upstairs and, you know, is trying to apologize. Granted, she's not that good at it, but... <laughs> it's true. She keeps saying, I'm sorry, and then Dawn is finally, like, broken record much. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, little, little sisters, little brothers, younger siblings. Yeah. I like the... Uh, the weirdness of Buffy interrupting herself when she's like, you always do that. Like the time when and then just sort of trails off. Yeah, she says you've never been able to accept an apology ever since, and I'm assuming she's going to say, dad left, but yeah, that would be my guess. But they don't make it explicit, so you don't know for sure. But the idea for that sure. there would be an enormous incident that would cause a change in someone's Psychology, that's probably the biggest thing that's happened to them. Yep. That was where my mind went too. But the reason that she trails off is also partly because she's like, oh wait, yeah. Like none of that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, and after a little bit of getting frustrated, she finally realizes both because of her job as the Slayer and her obligation as an older sister and because of what she did earlier that she just has to sort of wet. Dawn be mean to her for a moment. <laughs> Something about smelling like a monkey. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that she's adopted by from a litter of howler monkeys. You explain, explain your fashion sense and your smell. Yep. And then Buffy sits down on the bed with her and starts, you know, kind of like brushing her hair. And once. Dawn has realized that the moment that happened earlier has passed. She asks Buffy, what's wrong with mom? And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Really hardcore. <coughs> yeah, I'm kind of reacting to it now, as you can probably yeah. tell. Well, you yeah. can definitely tell, but I mean the listeners. <laughs> right. That's... Yeah. Watching season five, uh, especially f- after having seen it for the first time, it's uh, it's a lot of emotion to take in, knowing exactly where things are gonna go. And I think that that's, I mean, you know, it's pretty cool in a way that, you know, they had enough 
time and foresight to plan so much stuff out that they can then like make moments that are meaningful in the moment the first time you see them also be even more resonant like once you see where it's going I feel like uh, I mean I guess like being one of the most popular shows on television and being pretty guaranteed that it was gonna keep going if they wanted it to allowed them to kind of build up this stuff without having to worry about getting cancelled mid-season or anything like that yeah this was the last season though or they thought it was going to be until UPN picked it up for two more yeah but because the WB did not renew their contract and I don't know exactly when they knew this although I know that they were celebrating the 100th episode and that they had like a big cake or whatever and like everyone was sad because the show was ending yeah that is sad WB um oh and I'm sorry I wanted to mention the last line of this episode is not what's wrong with mom but Puffy says I don't know and it's the first moment in the scene where like she goes from like so she starts off the scene and she's trying to you know repair this connection but it doesn't feel so much because of like she feels like Dawn is her sister at this point and then Dawn starts to annoy her and then she has like this you know sort of like immediate like visceral reaction to that Mm -hmm. annoyance um and then immediately like she when she remembers the weirdness of it goes back to this thing again where it kind of feels like you know she's doing this task and then at the end when dawn is super vulnerable then suddenly buffy like that last line is vulnerable as well like she's in the same place as dawn and it's also the first time in the episode when she's like finally accepting that something's happening to her mom that she can't just fix with superpowers. Which is hard to do. Yeah, it's the Superman storyline, although um, it doesn't it doesn't ever get old. It's a good story. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, who've only like seen Man of Steel or something like that, but in the original Superman comics, an important storyline is that um, Superman's adopted father, uh, Pa Kent, dies of a heart attack and he realizes that it doesn't matter if he's Superman sometimes there's just nothing you can do yeah it's pretty brutal have anything else you want to say about this episode um no I think we covered it let's hear some funny alternate titles well, of course, the title itself comes from The Wizard of Oz. And this is sort of like an inverse because Buffy is hoping that it's all a dream, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, this episode begin, um, begins the main story arc of the season, revealing the truth about Dawn and introducing Glory. This would also be a main plot point in Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9 due to the end of magic when Dawn began to fade away. Oh no. 
Gross. Yeah. Um, Get out of here, comics. We don't like you. Giles officially opens the magic box, um, replacing the library as the place where people would meet. Um, and Giles' apartment in season four. In fact, Xander even mentioned this, you know, lampshades it later in the episode when he says, You ever think you would miss the library? Right. Forgot about that. Anya gets her first job. First and only job. Giles said for someone to rip the magic box's bell off its hinges since this always meant someone was coming to buy items. Ironically, Buffy would actually do exactly this when she was stuck in the time loop in Life Serial. <laughs> this is the first time Spike sees Buffy after he came to the realization that he loves her out of my mind. It's also the second of three occasions when she calls him William. First is in something blue when they get engaged under the influence of a little spell, and Buffy asks if he wants William the Bloody or just Spike on the invitations. And third and last is in As You Were when she ends their sexual relationship. Nice. Someone sits on a tuffet thing. I mentioned that. Yeah. Joyce refers to Dawn by her pet name, Little Pumpkin Belly. Dawn, nev uh, Buffy never had such a name, although Joyce sometimes calls her Sleepyhead. <laughs> Security guard reappears and listening to Fear along with the wife and two daughters he mentioned. Oh, creepy. Original run of No Place Like Home attracted 6.4 million viewers, the highest rated episode of the season kind of weird I mean it makes sense in that they probably advertised like the dawn reveal and people are like oh I definitely want to see that but you would think that the gift would be the highest ranked episode especially being like yeah, the true. end of season five plus like possibly the last episode yeah Marvel comic book references danger room is from x-men radioactive spider bite from spider-man Cool. <laughs> oh, I forgot Riley called it the danger room. Vampire Buffy fights in the beginning is wearing a shirt of German heavy metal band except showing the cover of their Russian roulette album. Nice. In French this was called Sur Enemy, which means enemy sisters. Nice. And in German it was called Seind und Schein, meaning reality and illusion. France was really hyping it up. Mm hmm. The misdirect. Mm -hmm. I always read over the goofs and continuity errors because sometimes there's something interesting, but looks like this week's all like boom mic visible and so and so scene. Boring. Right. Who cares? Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying it. 
If so, please subscribe to the podcast using your podcast listening application and um, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If you thought we had anything else to say about No Place Like Home, you were and are myth-taken. Bye for now. Bye-bye.